Welcome to I Took the High Road with Jacob Jansen. Our program is designed to educate about the drug problems that are reaching epidemic proportions in the United States. Could we be approaching the drug problem the wrong way? Mr. Jansen has been down the road of addiction, down the path of recovery, and now helps others find their path. Addicts are not bad people trying to get good. They are sick people needing to get well. Are you a part of the solution or the problem? Come and join us for an hour of fantastic guests, amazing stories, positive encouragement, and information that just might make your community a better place. Now, here's your host, Jacob Jensen. Hello, good morning, and welcome to I Took the High Road. I am your host, Jacob Jansen, and today we have another great show for you. Today's show is the McShin Foundation with President John Schinholzer. Uh, we constantly talk about in this show the importance of aftercare and why it's so important. Uh, the McShin Foundation is a great foundation that really provides a lot of aftercare and help for those individuals who need it after treatment. It has been said that up to 50% of people relapse uh, coming out of a treatment facility within the first 60 days. And that first 60 days is just so important uh, to keep people on that right path. Those who receive some type of aftercare are less likely to relapse and more likely to live longer. Uh, aftercare can keep an individual motivated and really provide them support when things get difficult. And often they do. There are so many things outside of our recovery that we can't control, but we can control what type of support we have around us. The individual who goes through a treatment facility will pick up a lot of knowledge and skills, but most of the learning really needs to occur during normal everyday living. As a person in recovery is faced with new problems, they will be encouraged to find new solutions. This way we will build up effective coping strategies over time. We have become such a society to take a pill to fix your problems uh, that we have started to say if we have a feeling that's uncomfortable or, or difficult to deal with, maybe stress or anxiety or pain, let's take a pill to fix your problems. But when we do that, what happens is we start losing our natural coping mechanisms to deal with the stress, the anxiety, and the pain. So in today's show, we are going to talk about a facility that really helps people connect with the community and the different support structures uh, that are around them in their community. So I'm going to introduce my guest. My guest is uh, John Schinholzer, and he serves as the president of the McShin Foundation, which was founded in 2004 and named for its two recovering co-founders, John Schinholzer and Carol McDade. Schinholzer and McDade have dedicated their lives to helping individuals and families in or seeking recovery from the disease of addiction. Schinholzer also served as chairman of the board of Rubicon, Inc., uh, Virginia's most comprehensive substance abuse treatment facility. In 2005, Schinholzer received the prestigious American Honors Recovery Award from the Johnson Institute, and he received, along with his wife, Carol McDade, the Karens Foundation Outstanding Alumni Award. In 2006, Schinholzer received the coveted OSAS, which is the Virginia Office of Substance Abuse Services Award of Virginia for significant contributions to the field of substance use disorder and recovery. Mr. Schinholzer was the first recovery 
recovering community member to receive this award. Under John's leadership, McShin won the Recovery Community Organization of the Year Award for the United States in June of 2011. Schinholzer has been featured in Addiction Professional Magazine, Newsweek, Richmond Times Dispatch, Flair Metro and Business Sections, the Mechanicsville Local, Richmond Free Press, and Virginia Association of Community Service Board's 2005 Annual Report. John has also been in many news broadcasts and natural documentaries including the anonymous people. Great video. If you haven't seen it, I encourage you to check it out. John is an appointed citizen member of the 810 Virginia General Assembly Joint State House Subcommittee on Substance Abuse. That's a tongue twister. John co-wrote the Recovery Coach Manual and travels the country providing authentic recovery coach training. John was appointed an honorary deputy of the Richmond City Sheriff's Office in June to July of 2013, and John currently resides in Hanover with his wife, Carol, and his daughter, Mary Page. John is a United States Marine Corps veteran, and he has been clean and in successful long-term recovery since August 10th, 1982. John Schenholzer, thank you so much, and welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, Jake, for having me. I'm excited to be on your show today. Uh, so can you please tell our listeners uh, a little bit more about the McShin Foundation and how it started? Well, basically, how we founded McShen was in July 2004, a group of addicts were sitting around a campfire at a 12-step recovery campout, and we were discussing how our system was not only partially broke about how they deliver substance abuse services, but they really aren't getting it, what they need to do, when they need to do it, and how they need to do it. So we thought it'd be nice to start an organization that focused on filling the cracks and the holes in our systems, not just Mm -hmm. our tax-funded system, but the treatment system as well. That was on a Saturday, and on Monday, I was driving to the lawyer's office to incorporate, and I asked my wife, I called her up, and said, what do you want to name it? And she said, what are you doing? I said, we talked about this on Saturday. Uh, To me, that was a green light to just go do it. So we (laughs) named it. While I was driving to the lawyer's office, McChin, she thinks she came up with her name. But I, I say I came up with it. <laughs> well, if she was here, I'd let her have that title of coming up with the name. And that's how we got started. We just went down. We incorporated. Uh, the same day, I went from the lawyer's office to my CPA. He filled out the nonprofit paperwork, and we put that in the mail. So all the same day, we got a name. We incorporated. We filed for 501c3 status. The following... <laughs> week, I, I went and rented an office, a 56-square-foot office on top of a Rubicon Treatment Center, and here we are 10 years later in a 15,000-square-foot recovery center, open to the public and delivering incredible services, you know, seven days a week. So in a nutshell, that's kind of how we got started. So I, I chuckle, and I, I got to say congratulations to your long-term recovery, uh, but I chuckle because, uh, you know, it's a, addiction is a disease of control, and we want things so quickly, and you say you talked about it, and within a day or two, you started the foundation. I can relate in a lot of different areas of my life, too. Uh, we go after well, what we want. Yeah, that's one good thing about OCD. You know, you, you, get a, you get a hair up your butt, you just go do it. Yep, yep. It's a no better time than the present, right? That's right. So you you are one of five accredited peer recovery organizations across the nation. Can you tell our, our listeners just a little bit about what is a peer recovery organization? 
Well, basically, you know, our peer recovery organization, you know, we have 17-member board of directors, and, and we're 85% of our board compilation is old-timers, basically, in a 12-step program. Mm-hmm. For example, Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous. And we have some, uh, you know, we have a, you know, a church deacon and a couple of parents on the board. And so we're basically recovering people, facilitating and overseeing the operation of the delivery of peer recovery support services. Mm-hmm. Basically, are mainly people in recovery trying to help people recover. So we kind of come from the philosophy of a 12-step spiritual program in a sort, but instead of helping folks one hour a night, we, we try to help them 24 hours a day. So that's, that's kind of, in a nutshell, what, what a peer organization in our estimate is. And as far as the accreditation goes, the Council on Accrediting Peer Recovery Support Services formulated in Washington, D.C., and they were tasked with the, uh, the job to, how are we going to accreditate these recovery community organizations? Because, you know, really up until 19, probably 80, you didn't even have accredited, for the most part, therapy for substance abuse or treatment centers. So over the years, sure. they formulated, you know, policies and procedures and protocols for you know, substance abuse treatment, but now that the recovery community organization, recovery support providers have come along, they're trying to come up with ways of sort of, you know, managing ourselves and looking after our industry as it it emerges and percolates. So we were very honored to be one of the first group of five to be accredited, and uh, we don't take that accreditation lightly, and we pretty much protect and guard it, you know, with our existence. Yeah, it's it's a it's a really neat concept to uh, to have that support twenty four hours a day uh, and to get people in recovery giving back and working. You know, sometimes they call it a, a sponsor in AA or NA. With a peer coach, you know, I, I'm on the board of Recovery Coaches International as a certified recovery life coach. And, you know, there's a, a difference in a peer coach and a recovery coach or a licensed therapist. Can you explain maybe the difference between what a, a peer coach would be or a, a recovery coach or a licensed therapist and what they do? Well, I think, I think a, a, in the simplest layman's term, the peer coach would be somebody, you know, in recovery. They understand the journey. And they successfully are recovering from their illness, and they are more than happy to transfer all their experience with them, knowledge to other people that may come along and want it. A recovery coach may be, you know, a little bit higher educated and informed in the different venues and avenues and approaches to mm-hmm. delivering interventions and, you know, short-term, anything under a year type recovery, but there's no time limit on how long you've been in recovery to access a coach. Sure. And I think, I think of the coaching industry that's, that's taken off pretty good. They're starting to, you know, manage themselves and create their own sort of system. Yep. Now, a counselor, you know, everybody knows a counselor, technically, you get them for 50 minutes of an hour, and they have a lot of policies, protocols, and regulations that they just can't come off of. Mm-hmm. So. They're restricted, very restricted to what they can do in a small period of time. Now, they're very effective. Mm-hmm. In my early recovery, I saw counsel, you know, for several years, and mm-hmm. she probably saved my life more than once. So I think when you compilate all these, these, these opportunities and these uh, services together, it certainly maximizes the outcome of a person's recovery. So. You know, I, 
I think a lot of people are surprised when I, I tell them, you know, I, I didn't find out about recovery coaching until uh, about three years ago. So I was about two years into my recovery and I had worked with counselors exclusively through inpatient facilities, outpatient. Um, and I found that mentor coach uh, to start coaching me when I was about three years into my recovery. I still work with a mentor coach on a weekly basis. I still go to a professional group uh, with a licensed therapist once a month uh, to talk about my own recovery and I'm four and a half years in um, it's about putting what places you need in your recovery because everybody's recovery is different it's just about finding what's really going to work for you and what you need to continue down that right path so correct I do agree so you have been called or the McShin Foundation has been called one of the most successful organizations of your kind what do you really attribute that to well I honestly think because we approached McShin, we were not founded by a a grant, whether it be a, a state or federal grant or a private foundation grant. We were actually founded by people in recovery that were, you know, enter, enthusiastically seeking how we how we can better serve the community, and we and we just took it on like our life was on the line because you know. I'm in recovery, and I know my personal recovery depends on my life. Mm-hmm. So we, we have more of a desperate approach to this. Now, when you don't have to answer to, you know, deliverables from a grant, let's say, or you don't have to answer to, you know, tax-provided bureaucrats, as mm-hmm. you might say, <laughs> you have the liberties and freedom to excel in areas that these other agencies can't excel in. Sure. And we and we quickly excelled in some areas that allowed us to just go straight to the top of the industry for what we do. And and our independence keeps us at the top and keeps us in a position to excel even broader and greater distances in this uh as we formulate the, the this industry. So I think our independence, I think our, our self supporting through our own contribution, spiritual principle I think we govern ourselves. Principles are, you know, the very principles of what you might see in a twelve-step program are probably our greatest asset in attributing to our success. Have have you know you you mentioned that you didn't start with grants? Have you been able to continue running the McShin Foundation free of government grants and and state grants? Well, I think if you look at most recovering community organizations nationwide, I would say ninety percent of them operate probably on a grant and they live by grants so they'll die by grants. Sure. And most of those organizations are probably, you know, under half a million dollars, you know, annual budgets in size. Mm-hmm. So we went from no budget, no funding, to we have a we have a self-funded budget now of $850,000 a year wow. and we do wow. expect to go over the million dollar mark, you know, within the next 12 months. You know, so... But- I think, um, yeah, that speaks for itself. Yeah, and well, and, and the the only reason that I asked about the grant is as the government is starting to see our opiate problem now as an epidemic, a lot more grant money is going to start being unlocked uh, for different states to start opening up maybe facilities like the McShin Foundation that are so successful. So, well, as long as, long as they don't bureaucratize the industry, then, then it'll, it'll be good. But, you know, you're sorry, right. there, there may be some new funding coming out for, yeah. you know, we call it the epidemics, but typically when 
our federal government, our state government get involved with trying to answer, provide solutions to problems they pretty much started themselves. You know, you got to kind of watch that. So. Yeah. Yep, yep. And uh, on that note, I want to take a quick commercial break from our sponsors. And when we come back, more uh, with the McShin Foundation and President John Schinholzer. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Hi, my name is Jacob Jansen, and I am the owner of My Recovery Project. Do you know someone using drugs or alcohol? Are their actions negatively affecting you or people you care about? If so, it is time for an intervention. Far too often, we are a country that acts after problems arise. It is time to act now. Interventions confront a person and allow them to see their self-destructive behavior and how it affects themselves, family, and friends. Just as important, interventions help the family understand the disease of addiction and make sure the loved one gets the help they need by offering a solution of treatment. I have been through the hell of addiction, and I have found a passion in recovery helping others. Getting a person into treatment can be a difficult task. I help the family through this providing options, and I become a mediator during the intervention. If you would like more information, please visit www.myrecoveryproject.com or call 262-290-1072 for a free consultation before things get worse. My name is Linda Lenz. Last year, my husband and I received a phone call that no parent should ever receive. We received a call that our 23-year-old son had died of a heroin overdose. We were on a mission to find out how this could happen. He was a beautiful person, intelligent, a straight-A student, and a wonderful son. But here's what we did not know. The drug landscape had changed. Kids in junior high and high school were using prescription pills to get high. Prescription pills are opiates, just like heroin, and they can be found in almost every home's medicine cabinet. To combat this problem, we established a Facebook page, Stop Heroin WI, and a website, StopHeroinNow.org. Please go to this website and donate generously. All of your money goes directly to prevention programs and rehabilitation programs. StopHeroinNow.org. So no parent ever has to receive that phone call. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to I Took the High Road with host Jacob Jansen. To reach our show today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send us an email at jacobjansen at itookthehighroad.com. Now, back to the show. Hello and welcome back to I Took the High Road. I am your host, Jacob Jansen, and today's show is the McShin Foundation with President John Schinholzer. Uh, before the break, we were talking a little bit about what the McShin Foundation was and does. So coming back from the break, what are your requirements to work at or be a part of the McShin Foundation? Well, I think the uh, 
the main requirement. Just, you know, we look for people who are predominantly sincere in their recovery efforts and they would like to carry that message of recovery to people still suffering. And, and, and of course, you know, like one time we ran an ad for a peer worker and, and in our ad, probably the only time we ever see this ad, we wrote in there, you know, a felony is a plus. <laughs> Uh, no driver's license is, is really good because part of your job is to teach people how to get their license back. So we'll teach you so you can teach other people. Um, criminal record is, is desirable. So, I mean, everything you might see in every other employment ad, you know, we go the other direction. Yeah. And it's, it's, people who've been there done that make the best, the best leaders. Oh, absolutely. The people who have experienced been through it. Uh, you know, I tell a lot of people, I, I'm a felon for, you know, nonviolent crime, possession of a controlled substance, and I'm a felon in the state of Wisconsin. And when I tell people that, you know, it bars me from getting back into the hedge fund industry, the industry that I was in in my early 20s as a, a day trader. Uh, but it gives me a lot of credibility as an interventionist and a recovery life coach to help people through some of these stressful situations. So, yeah, you know, you know, speaking of hedge fund, that's probably the, the most un, uncaught felon industry in America. You know, a lot of those guys, <laughs> they commit felonies every day, but we can't seem to catch them. Yeah, well, and, and Wolf of Wall Street, I wasn't like that, if you've seen that movie or anything. Yeah. But, but back to the requirements and to be a, a peer leader and an employee, you know, we also, we are a huge believer in, you know, like using our newcomers. You know, if you got 30 days or 60 days, you, you want to be a persistent, we're going to plug you in somewhere. Yep. Especially the young kids, you know, these kids, it's great to have a high school or a senior with, you know, 90 days clean reaching back to the 11th and 10th graders that need the services. You know, them kids aren't going to listen to me or you. We're just too old, you know, too out of the, the, the realm of belief. So we, we not only use people who have the records we have, but also time is not the most important factor. Clean time is, is not the most important factor for folks. That's right. Really interesting because at a lot of treatment facilities, I know the one that I went through, they said, you know, in order to speak, if you want to come back and you want to tell your story, we need a year of clean time. And that was okay. It gave me a goal to focus on and to set that. But uh, it's really cool that you're starting to integrate people in before that first year of clean time, you know, maybe when yeah. they mo- might be at the you highest know, chance for relapse. Yeah. And, one, and one of the greatest Visions of hope you can give a, a, a downtrodden individual to the correction system. So when somebody comes out of a jail program, to be able to double back in 30 days and say, look, man, I got a job, I got my wife back, you know, life is good. It gives those guys hope. So some of our jail programs, they, they, they allow some wiggle room for bringing people back quickly. And then some other jails are in, they, you know, they won't let you back for a year or two. So there's a lot of variables out there, but I think the more we reduce the stigma associated with this illness, the greater chances and opportunity we are going to have to improve our situations. Absolutely. That's why I'm doing the radio show. That's why I'm I'm outspoken about this. Doing a good job, too. Thank you. I do appreciate it. So, one of the really cool things that I saw on your website when I was looking at it, uh, you have a group that you work with called Clean Life Medical. And they did a free 30-bed uh, opiate detox for patients. So can you, and I thought that yeah, was just yeah. extraordinary. What, what does Clean well, Life Medical well, do and how are they? Let me tell you how we got, let me tell you how we got Clean Life Medical. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I run across a physician that needed recovery himself. 
So we got a physician. He, he got his life straight. You know, he didn't recover. He's doing fabulous. And we were referring people who needed detox to other outpatient programs in our community. And, and what they were doing, they were getting to these other places, and these other places, doctors were putting them on other drugs. They were doing medication replacement therapies. Yeah. Uh, as first, as first defensive, you know, instead of doing a reverse protocol, you know, let's mm-hmm. see what else works first, holistic method, before we just put you on maintenance of some kind. Yes. And, and these people's lives, a lot of them were worse off, and we knew better. So I finally got hold of a physician in recovery himself that believed in a five-day step-down uh, buprenorphine taper from opiate addiction coupled with recovery support services. Mm-hmm. And, and he'll also do a, you know, 10 day benzo or 21 day benzo alcohol, whatever it takes. He's willing to do short term medicated assisted detoxes coupled with recovery support services. So we basically went out there and sort of created a medical component to our recovery system. And now that 30 day free detox, what we did was we got the newspaper, Richard Town Dispatch, you know, God bless him and thank you very much for a wonderful article saying, look, if you want to get off of opiates, go to the McShen Foundation, you know, on this particular Monday, and it's free of charge. It's five-day opiate detox. And, you know, it's an outpatient-type detox, but yet they have access to the recovery center and the recovery coaches and the purely, you know, 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. So... By 7.30 in the morning, we had 30 people. And, and Dr. Jimmy, he couldn't do more than 30 people today. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's got great meds out there. He doesn't rush anybody. And it was for a physician to consult with 30 people in a yeah. nine-hour day. is a pretty big order anyway. He didn't even take a break, man. His wife brought him lunch. And he ate while he did his job. Well, yeah. we had we turned away about two, 300 people that day. And, and it, made me, it made me want to cry, you know. And it's just so sad that our community leaders, you know, they think it's so cool to just use these people as bait for the criminal justice system. It's just as easy to give them free detox, man. So, yep. but anyway, it was a great success. And, and ever since then, I've, I've been trying to think, how can I raise the funds needed to keep that available 365 days a year yeah. and demonstrate to our community and our tax funders that, look, this is the real system we need to have, not the one you're, you're doing. Sure. If it, was, it, if it was corporate America, they'd be locked up for fraud and, and, <laughs> and perpetrating you know, bad deals or whatever. Yeah, why do we ever think making things more difficult for somebody will ever make them better oh, for somebody in recovery? So, you know, and, and you talk about two to three hundred people turned away. That's just amazing. Uh, but, you know, I'm I'm Sad to say that I, I I would guess that you would see that all across the country if we did this thirty day detox, whether it was in Milwaukee or Virginia or California or New York, you know, all across the country, we're seeing the same type you of know, thing. People screaming out we, for help, and we did we did a short a short scientific mathematical study, just a short one, and basically, you can take an addict that you get arrested for stealing. From Walmart, you arrest that addict. He's an opiate, a desperately seeking opiate addict. One that's not trying to get high, they're just trying to get well. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Your, your typical addict 
is stealing, you know, $500 a day worth of retail goods that they might get 40 cents on a dollar for. Yeah. Well, they, they get arrested, and in, and in Virginia, probably most places in America, when, it, when an opiate addict gets locked up, they usually spend two, three, four, five days in jail before they get arraigned and they get a bond and get out. Mm-hmm. And then they got they have to come back to court, which you got prosecutors and judges and courtrooms involved. And then when you get arrested, like most places, you know, one cop just not doing arrest. They seem to have six of them surrounding you for forty five minutes. You know, <laughs> and then two guys take you to jail. So, so not factoring in any medical needs or, or factoring in any state time or extended jail time. It is a minimum four thousand dollars per opiate addict. To mm-hmm. utilize the current public safety system of getting them off the street, four thousand yeah. dollars. Now I calculated Clean Life Medical and McChin could provide the same five-day result. You mean they'll be off the street, not committing crimes for the same five-day period? For if we had a bulk rate with our our community agency partners for three hundred and forty-seven dollars versus four thousand. It's amazing. And our, and, our, and our politicians, they just they just think it's good business for all their agencies to keep spending the four thousand dollars versus three hundred and forty seven and and the taxpayers they, they love it. They they eat it up. So our mm-hmm. culture's so messed up, Jake. Yes, I agree. You know, and I and I've done time and been through the judicial system, and that's why I'm a big advocate for helping people get treatment. My company's mantra was started on education, not incarceration. Uh, so I can certainly relate. Well, well, thank God for what you're doing. We need more of you out there. Appreciate it. And you also. I uh, was very looking forward to this interview to hear what you're doing and, and definitely continue working with you to see if we can start more of these across the country. So I, I want to ask you about uh, the McShin model of recovery. What is the McShin model of recovery? Well, basically, <laughs> it's simple, man. It's just recovering people, trying to help people recover and it's an authentic model. We don't, like I said, we don't have existing burdensome bureaucratic protocol that we must adhere to in order to get funding. You know, we're allowed to just act like spiritually advancing people in our community that want to help other folks get it. So we just, you know, we show up, we help folks, we create facilities for them to come to that they, they can be around other recovering people trying to help them. Uh, we create, recovery events for the masses so people don't have to accept. You have to be at user events all the time. We, we actually do advocating at the, the local, state, federal levels. We actually develop programming for corrections, for jails and prisons, and we develop one of the only, I call it a recovery court, but technically can't call it that in Virginia, you need special permission to have a specialty court, but uh, 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 criminal justice uh, referral the system courts. from the court, sure. you might say. But so it's just basically people in recovery taking responsibility for addressing all the needs for the recovery community. It's really neat we, to have that support. And, and we do the training, too, you know, so. Sure. So, you know, we've talked a lot about continuum of care and how vital after uh, inpatient treatment, how vital it is, and it can be directly correlated with success. How important is changing the environment for somebody's recovery, and how does the McShin Foundation do that? How do you make that environment available to these people? Well, I think actually word of mouth is a really good one. But, you know, when you come back from rehab, 
you know, you go you go 500 miles from home, you develop a support group for 30 days, and you put right back in the environment you came from. Well, you come to the McChen Foundation, you're stepping into a seven-day-a-week seven organization full of life, excitement, happiness. You know, we have over 2,000 social support groups a year, free and open to the public. We have recovery coaches that you can just exchange phone numbers, and they'll call you every night if you want them to just to see how you're doing. We field over 125,000 recovery support phone calls a year. We provide, and one way we do all our funding for this is we actually notice some relapses. We're going back to rehab, costing their families, you know, ten to thousands of dollars for a 30-day trip. And we said, look, you know, we just created a fee for service for, you know, you come stay at the chin for 28 days, we'll charge you $4,800. And you can stay as long as you want thereafter for $125 a week. You know, so technically, you can come to McShin for a year for $11,000. Wow. You know, so, so we're also not only a great reentry program for the criminal justice, for treatment, for relapses in our community, but we're also a good first place to go, you know, you know, before you start spending big bucks on, on treatment and recovery. So we, 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 we got a little bit for everybody, I think. Sure. Can you talk a little bit about your inpatient program? I wasn't even aware that you had one there. I, I knew well, that you did a lot of well, aftercare things. Well, we, we call it, we call it uh, in-house recovery program. You know, you, you say patient, you apply your, your medical clinical base, but basically we've already got the 15,000 square foot recovery center. Mm-hmm. So we have recovery residents. We, we, uh, National Association of Recovery Residents Certified Homes in our community, which is walking distance. Our best ones are within walking distance of the center. Okay. So we got 35 beds and houses in our neighborhood run by, you know, recovery coaches that are trained by us. And, they, you know, we've got pretty strict rules. They're kind of like Oxford houses, but just a little bit sure. stricter. Okay. And um, it, it's very effective. I mean, you know, our, our people are saying, well, one thing, we track all our people. And everybody uses their own success rate percentages and how you track them. But mm-hmm. we know everybody that ever came through our housing, 53% of those people are still engaged in the recovery, you know, in a good way. Now, a lot of the clean dates have changed, mm-hmm. but they're still in recovery. And I think that speaks for itself. Sure. I, I love the phrase that uh, relapse isn't a part of recovery. Relapse is a part of addiction. Uh, well, you know. true enough. You got that so. right. So uh, it happens, but it's about saying, are we giving these people the tools that they need where if they do slip or, uh, you know, feel like that they have uh, a relapse, can they get back on the wagon that much quicker? Do they have the support around them to help them do that? You know, I'll tell you another thing we we have a great reputation for. Being an intervention, you you probably appreciate this. You know, a lot of times you get around these same kids messing up, you know, and they're just not getting it. And and I I have that, that. I have this reputation building. You, you ever heard of Bobby Knight? He used to be a coach for Indiana. Yeah, oh, yeah, big temper. I mean, <laughs> people love to send their kids to me because they know, you know, if they work my program, they're going to end up being good men, good women, good character, high morals and values and standards. You know, of course, I've been known to be a bit, you know, terse and direct in my methods. <laughs> well, and, and they seem to be working, so... <laughs> I mean, it's, it's amazing how it works. You know, I'm just yeah. I'm thrilled to death every day to be part of this thing. It is great to to be yeah. in recovery and to give back and to help. That it certainly keeps me accountable every day. Yes, it does. 
So what are some of the other important pieces or contributors to the success of the Mixion Foundation? Is there anybody you'd like to thank right now for building it? Or Well, I mean, you know, none of this happens by itself. You know, you always have partners and helpers. You know, I've got a great board of directors. You know, they understand the value of having a leader that can be just go out there and be the tip of the spear. You know, get it done. You know, if you screw up, we'll let you know. So, you know, I get reprimanded from my board at on board meeting night if need be. <laughs> of course, my wife is our greatest asset and supporter when we got started, Carolyn McDay. You know, could have never done it without her. The recovering community, the 12-step people, you know, we get, we get an incredible amount of support, you know, especially from the folks from NA and, and, and AA. I mean, they've been very supportive of us, you know, for the mm-hmm. most part. And, and some treatment centers along the way have helped us. And, you know, we have 40 community service boards in Virginia, and one of them, one out of the 40 has been there every step of the way. It's Richard Behavior Health Authority, Dr. James May. He's always been a strong supporter of ours. And, and oddly enough, our local sheriff, Sheriff Wade, Sheriff Woody, Sheriff Hines, they they, you know, the sheriffs and the, and the judges, and, you know, they, they get it, you know. They, they do view us as a valuable asset. They treat mm-hmm. us like that. Yeah. So, and, 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 you know, the family members themselves, and, of course, the alumni. We have a strong alumni. So it's just it's a combination of everybody. You know? Yep. You know, uh, you, you mentioned talking with the police, and I've spoken with them uh, a few times in my recovery, and, and I'm starting to hear more and more of the police officers going, I keep arresting the same person three or four times a year. It's not working. What do we need to do to change this? And I'm starting to see a lot of the uh, police stations in our area starting to fund school programs, prevention programs, and education programs, actually. So hopefully uh, the stigma is slowly being destroyed in this country with drug addiction, and hopefully we're moving in the right direction. And on yeah, that yeah, note... Yeah, let me also... Oh, we got to take a break? Hey, I was, go ahead if you got a, a well, quick I, minute. I just comment. wanted to add quickly, you know, we, we joined National Council on Alcohol and Drug Dependency, <laughs> NCADD, and Faces and Voices of Recovery. So those two organizations also helped us, you know, really accelerate in our in our capabilities. So it's just not people, it's organizations as well, mm-hmm. so... Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And on that note, we got to take a quick commercial break from our sponsors. And when we come back, more with President John Schinholzer of the McShin Foundation. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. My name is Linda Lenz. Last year, my husband and I received a phone call that no parent should ever receive. We received a call that our 23-year-old son had died of a heroin overdose. We were on a mission to find out how this could happen. He was a beautiful person, intelligent, a straight-A student, and a wonderful son. But here's what we did not know. The drug landscape had changed. Kids in junior high and high school We're using prescription pills to get high. Prescription pills are opiates, just like heroin, and they can be found in almost every home's medicine cabinet. To combat this problem, we established a Facebook page, Stop Heroin WI, and a website, StopHeroinNow.org. Please go to this website and donate generously. All of your money goes directly to prevention programs and rehabilitation programs. StopHeroinNow.org. 
so no parent ever has to receive that phone call. Hi, my name is Jacob Jansen, and I am the owner of My Recovery Project. Do you know someone using drugs or alcohol? Are their actions negatively affecting you or people you care about? If so, it is time for an intervention. Far too often, we are a country that acts after problems arise. It is time to act now. Interventions confront a person and allow them to see their self-destructive behavior and how it affects themselves, family, and friends. Just as important, interventions help the family understand the disease of addiction and make sure the loved one gets the help they need by offering a solution of treatment. I have been through the hell of addiction, and I have found a passion in recovery helping others. Getting a person into treatment can be a difficult task. I help the family through this providing options, and I become a mediator during the intervention. If you would like more information, please visit www.myrecoveryproject.com or call 262-290-1072 for a free consultation before things get worse. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to I Took the High Road with host Jacob Jansen. To reach our show today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send us an email at jacobjansen at itookthehighroad.com. Now, back to the show. Hello and welcome back to the show. Uh, I am your host, Jacob Jansen. Today's show is the McShin Foundation with President John Schinholzer. And before the break, we were talking about the McShin Foundation and uh, the importance of changing environment and what the McShin Foundation really does to do that. So next question I have is, what are some of the new things that you're excited about that the McShin Foundation is doing right now? I think, you know, as far as personal recovery support services for people that need them, is, you know, we, we have have a very good curriculum. Everything from everybody comes through McShin. We train them as a entry-level peer coach so they understand both sides of, of giving and receiving. But we're also the only place in the country I know that you can go the part of our curriculum is if you wanted to teach you how to smoke meat, not drugs, we have a barbecue team. <laughs> so, and, and we're getting ready to, you know, open up a, a hip hop recording studio for recovery people. Okay. You know, and, and especially the high school kids and the college kids, they can access it as long as they can pass the drug test. Um, and then in the community, we're really hammering away trying to change the culture of, of how Americans view some abuse or recovery supports or or, 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 or the disorders in themselves, you know, we're just not yeah. getting it right. So we're working hard on that. Fun, having fun, introducing fun into people's recovery uh, is so important. One of the big things when you go to treatment facilities or take patients, one of the things that surprises them is that there's a lot of laughter in the halls. People are having fun. You have to have fun in, in your recovery or you're going to go right back to, you know, you have to find uh, that better that. life for you. Fun's the most important message of hope I think you can give a newcomer. Look, it's yeah. going to be okay. You know, truth, the truth is, the only reason I really came back was because 
I heard that if I did what the old timers do, I'll get what they get. And I know that they all had good looking girlfriends. So I wanted a girlfriend. So that's <laughs> why I paid attention. We all quit for different reasons, don't we? Yeah. That was a long time ago. I was a young man back then. Yeah. What are we doing wrong in this country as far as treatment for addiction? And how are you, how are you changing this right now? Oh, God, I think I think the worst thing the United States of America has done is they got settled into the, the silo thinking. The, the you know, government agencies think one way, private people think another way, recovery people think another way. But overall, we have created the new Jim Crow. You hear that over and over and over, but we are living out the new Jim Crow. Our kids are growing up to accept and understand that the industrial prison complex is a way of life, just as kids grew up in the 1800s, slavery was a way of life. And it takes courage to change the way our kids are thinking and growing up. You know, when I was a kid growing up, you didn't even think twice about pollution, but the, the last few generations, they get inundated with, you know, don't pollute, you know, recycle. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I got clean in 1982, the, the deal was let's try to salvage this guy and invest in his recovery, but now you just automatically invest in the criminal justice system. And it's just disgusting the way that our actual politicians, they actually thrive on, on really hurting our people. You know, mm-hmm. how can you, how can you, deny $4,000 versus $350. I mean, how, how can you justify that to the taxpayers? I mean, I'm just, I'm just stunned at the way people just drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. You know, so stay the hell away from the Kool-Aid. One of the, the phrases that I love is from Dr. Gabor Mate. He says, war on drugs. There is no war on drugs. You can't have a war on an inanimate object. It is a war against the most abused, isolated, and vulnerable segment of society. No I certainly, question about it. You know, I and certainly big, agree. And the big winners on the war on drugs is the, is the criminal justice system. I probably paid the the judicial system fifteen to twenty thousand dollars in fines and fees, uh, which, if you look at treatment, it was probably about the same. But if it would have been structured the right way the first time, it probably would have been much more successful instead yeah, but, you know, of locking you me up and isolating me. Because you got you, you got recovery, you know they were really hoping you'd be a, a frequent flyer, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I did nine months in the Huber facility um, and watched multiple people leave and come back within my nine-month stay uh, that were there. It was kind of the revolving door, and they knew that uh, that was job security for them. So, yep. yeah, so. I'm also amazed, you know, I'm extra disgusted in the Virginia politicians because when they create these laws down the General Assembly, every, every year they create a hundred new laws that increases the power of the criminal justice system. And, and, mm-hmm. and they, they actually create real laws that, that hurt the addict. Yeah. They're not even thinking right down there. We we employ uh, we have more we employ more people in the prison industry in the U.S. than we do in the auto industry. I don't know if you knew that. A bit. So. You know, it's a trillion dollar a year, one trillion dollar a year, you know, industry. You know, when you add it all up, that's that's a huge number. And the sad part about it is. We could be spending half that that number on rebuilding our infrastructure, building highways, power lines. Where you know we do the railroad, education. Yeah. We'd have plenty of money for everything else that would make the best country in the world. But our, our elected officials deliberately and they choose to do the wrong thing. It's just yeah, I'm just amazed, man. If there's a hell, they go into it. Sure. They, they don't understand it until it happens to their their kid or their child or someone yeah. they know. Uh, you have a drug 
war clock on the McShen Foundation website, and, and I love that. It's a continuously running total. Can you speak about that, uh, please, just a little bit? Well, well, when I ran across that, I just thought, you know, why doesn't every single American have this on their kitchen table and see if that doesn't irritate them and outrage them? Because we, we're automatically being charged a lot of money, tax money, for something that our policymakers and decision makers knowingly and willingly are exploiting. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think the more, you know, taxpayers, sooner or later, they're going to revolt. You know, it's, not, yep. it's not even about right or wrong, good or bad. It's the bottom line is the tax dollars, man. I mean, mm-hmm. like I said earlier, if this was corporate America, they'd have fired you a long time ago. Yeah, we are certainly a country that looks at the financials, and um, it's just one of those things that doesn't seem to make sense right now. Why are they spending so much money? I mean, I remember when I was incarcerated, uh, the same year that I got locked up, they built our Waukesha County Jail bigger. They closed a treatment facility, the Lawrence Center, which was a, a inpatient treatment facility in Waukesha County, and they bought a $250,000 armored Bearcat vehicle uh, that they maybe use once a year right now. Um, you know, that was about speak, five years ago. Yeah, well, that, that speaks to our culture. You know, our, our police force, our public safety people, they're, they're more like a military organization, you know, we're having to protect and serve, you know, now, you know, boots on the ground. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah. It's a foreign country. We invade our neighborhoods. You know, and and it really um, is a shame that we've taken uh, people that we used to respect, that used to serve and protect, and are now just following these laws. And society has have now, in general, has a very negative view uh, yeah. about police officers and what they do. And and it's really not their fault. They're following the laws that the government makes. You know that that our states make. So. Uh, I talk a lot about breaking the stigma of addiction on this show. Is there anything you would like to speak about to, as far as why there's a stigma with addiction and mental health in this country and how we can go about changing it? I think it's, it's just the, back to the culture. You know, our children are being grown to drink the Kool-Aid of whatever environment they're growing up in. So if you're growing up in a criminal justice environment, you're drinking that Kool-Aid. If you're growing up in a political environment, you're drinking that Kool-Aid. So what we can really do, we have to do mass, mass, mass education, mass demonstration, not not necessarily protest. And like, like I know there's a, there's a march coming up on the mall in October that I think you'll get some breaking news about. I think it's critical that, you know, hundreds of thousands of recovering people, their family, their loved ones show up for that. I think it's critical that instead of talking, we actually go do. Follow the example of the McShen Foundation. Don't wait around for other people to do what we should be doing. Yep, Just get involved. Very simple. It's very simple. We've got to go make history. No question about it. Mm-hmm. If, if, uh, if you don't know well, right? That's right. You know, and so. I tell these guys in corrections all the time. I'm talking to hundreds of, of you know, locked up people. Here. I said, look, you guys, you know, this is your time in the sun to go out there and shine. you got to get involved, man, because it's not. You just, this is your life. Mm-hmm. We can make that change. We can be those successes and in turn show that there's a better way to do this maybe than the current yeah. way we're doing it. So Yeah, and, and we also got to stay organized and unified. It's, you know, over and over and over, I see organizations pop up. The next thing you know, they're splintered, you know, from the main movement. So the, mm-hmm. the main movement, every time we get traction, you know, somebody gets a resentment and they take their ball and they go home. We got to stop that stuff. We got to be grown up like these. This culture we're trying to fight, you know? 
Yep. If somebody would like more information on the McShin Foundation, where can they find it? www.mcshin.org. Uh, you know, you can call us, email us, or just come home by. I mean, and then, you know, you know how to find it. Then call you and you'll call me. <laughs> Sounds we're, good. We're not, we're not secret. We're not hidden. We're very visible and easy to spot. Yep. Uh, we have about three minutes here. Do you have any final message for our listeners today? You know, Two minutes. I, I was just sitting here thinking, you know, our, our, one of our greatest assets to our success, I got to admit, would be our host at that our organization is in, and we're, we're in an old Baptist church, Hatcher Memorial Baptist Church in, in Richmond, Virginia. And it was a church that lost lots of members, and they were looking for a way to serve the community, and they, they let us in their, their facility. You know, that 15,000 square foot is attached to a huge church, and they don't mess with us about their religion, and we don't mess with them about our recovery, and, and we somehow have this beautiful relationship. So, I think there's a lot of churches out there in America that, that would probably like to host recovery community organizations and find a way to do it without offending people's beliefs or non-beliefs. Mm-hmm. So I think I think that's a, a diamond in the rough. If more of America could start knocking all these doors, yeah, and, you know, get back to some of that. So I'm I'm certainly starting to see uh, churches in our area too starting to host more of these community awareness presentations um, and, and getting the community involved in the the awareness of the problem at minimum. So yeah, well, I mean, you know, if they get back to doing what they were really supposed to be doing, you know, we probably wouldn't have a lot of problem in the first place, but. That's a different topic for a different day. Yes, yes, it is. Um, is there? Uh, we got about another minute left here. Anything else well, you want to close with? Yeah, if you, if you're suffering from addiction, if you know somebody needs help, you know there, there is a lot of help out there. Twenty three million Americans have found it. You know, go to your keep going to meetings that you say don't work. Keep going back to rehab you say don't work. Don't give up on your loved one. You know, as long as you're breathing, you got a chance. And if your family member is sick, you go get help, too. You know, the ripple effect of an addict, there's also a ripple effect of a family member, whether it be a, a recovery positive ripple effect or, or a disease negative ripple effect. So never give up, you know, because anybody yep. can get recovery at any given moment of any given day. It certainly is a family disease. Uh, Mr. Schenholzer, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Well, our pleasure is all mine. Call me anytime. Sounds good. And that's about all the time we have right. today. Have a, have a great day. I love y'all. <laughs> that's about all the time we have today. Please join us next week for another great show. Thank you so much and enjoy life. Thank you for listening to I Took the High Road. Please join Jacob Jansen for another encouraging hour next Friday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll see you next week.